Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? I'm doing well. I thought another good episode of Survivor. I'm really liking how they're doing a very good job, I think, of balancing the edit and showing us a wide variety of people and not just one Brandon or Philip. Right, exactly. I think that the edit's been so incredibly even this uh, this season comparatively when you look at uh, when you look at seasons recently. We we had two people who dominated the confessionals, but everyone else under them was basically pretty even. Well, I mean, the two people who dominated the confessionals were obviously Colton and John, and they both had really in- like stories that were integral to the episode. So it makes sense, and I'm I'm pretty happy so far this season. Yeah, and I mean, I this is only two episodes in, so I mean, it could go downhill from here, but it's a promising start. Right, absolutely. Plus, you have all these new layers of, of strategy and stuff that would never even really... Never have we seen, I don't think, um, how another tribe affects your tribe's voting system. It's never happened this way before. Yeah, I really do like all the layers. I mean, if you... If you vote off Rachel, it's very possible that Tyson will leave the other tribe, as we saw in the in the preview. But would Laura or Tina come off their tribe for their daughters? You have no idea. But if they did that, that would maybe make their tribe stronger. I mean, it's such a it's it's a really weird layered thing that is just crazy. Yeah, you could uh, go crazy trying to to think about all the different. Uh layers and strategic moves you can do here. And then we have like that added layer of maybe John will play the idol for Rachel and John will get voted out himself, which I personally was hoping would happen just because it would be really funny. Um, almost like a Tyson. <laughs> almost, almost like a Tyson. Not quite. Yeah. Uh, more of a, like, we've never seen someone play the idol and then go home, and that would just be such a great, great thing to watch. Yeah. But uh, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking uh, about this episode with a very uh, awesome person who goes by the name of Billy Garcia. I love Billy. I'm so excited to talk with him. Yeah. From uh, Survivor Cook Islands, he was the second person voted out, but still one of the most memorable people in that season, which is sort of bad. (laughs) Absolutely. Cook Islands is not not an amazing season by most standards. But there are some great characters, and they, unfortunately most of them go early. Yeah. But Billy is definitely on that list. If you look at pre-merge, uh, there's really only like two people that even stand out. Right, and, Billy and Cowboy. And Billy is one of them. So uh, uh, I talked to him a couple of seasons ago when it was uh, David and Nicole. So this will be, Jeff, I think this is your first time talking with Billy. But I uh, think I've talked to him, but not for the podcast. Yeah. It will be a fun time, I would assume. It was a blast when I talked to him last time, and I, I think he will have a lot to say, and we'll ask him how he's doing now that uh, Candace has a new love and uh, how he's coping with that. But Yeah, Survivor's been hard on him. Not only does he leave second, then Candace falls in love with Adam, and now John. Yeah. I mean, it's rough. It's rough. But uh, before we get to talking with Billy, we have a couple things that we're doing this season. And the first is the game that Jeff and I are playing, our uh, prediction power ranking type game called High and Low. So Jeff, why don't you give us a recap of uh, who who won what for last episode, this past episode. Right. So for High and Low, there's a potential for each of us to earn six points. Your high pick last week was Brad. And he had the potential to earn one point if he was not voted out, one point if his team won the challenge, and one point if he had more than three confessionals. And uh, as you probably have guessed, he only got one point this week for not being voted out. Yes. Uh, Fortunately for you, I have the same score with Vitus being my one point for not being voted out. Both had under three confessionals, which was interesting, and obviously they didn't win the challenge, so Mm -hmm. there's that. But on the low pick, we you picked Laura Bonham, yes, and I picked Cat. Obviously, neither of them were voted out, so we, neither of us got a point there. They didn't win the challenge, so neither of us got a point there. But they did both have less than two confessionals, so we each got a point there, meaning that our final score is two-two, which is I don't want to use the word pathetic, but it's not great. <laughs> 
not great, but uh, maybe it, we picked the complete wrong tribe to win immunity. That was our main problem. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think you go first with high this time. I think I went first last time. Yes, you went first with high last time. So I think that we are going to see the favorites tribe lose. I know I said that last week, but I'm saying it again this week. So the question is who on the fans tribe or the loved ones tribe is going to get confessionals, not be voted out. Um, I'm going to go with a wild card pick, someone who I think will get a lot of confessionals, but also has the potential to be voted out, and that's John. Interesting. It's a, stra- it's a strategic move. It is a strategic move. He, he could definitely get quite uh, a few confessionals. I'm going to pick a high. Um, I think this person may get a lot of confessionals this season. I think it is possible for them to win the challenge, and it is, and I don't, I don't think they'll be voted out. Uh, so in that case, I'm going to have to actually pick Tyson. I think that's a good pick. I think he's definitely going to get a fair amount of confessionals, whether he switches or not. Uh, and if if he does switch, I don't know what that does for our, our game, but does that count? I think we call it him being voted out, and then whether or not he wins redemption would count as his challenge. Does that sound fair? That sounds fair. Okay. I'll go with that. So he, I'd lose the point for him voting out, but as long as he wins the challenge, which I would foresee him, I'll get a point there anyway, so it evens out. So I'll still stick with Tyson. Okay. Tyson it is. What about for your low pick, David? For my low, uh, there's so many choices. Colton is, is one for me. I think, uh, although confessional-wise, I don't think that would be the I think he's going to get a lot, so maybe I won't go with Colton. Just because he could win, they could win immunity, and he could not quit. Um, ugh, this is rough. I think I am going to actually go with Laura Bonham again. Okay. Any particular reason? I don't think she's going to get a lot of confessionals. Uh, I think there is a possibility the, uh, the, the returning players finally lose, in which case she does have a decent chance to get voted off if Colton quits. Fair. I am going to pick... See, this is hard. Because if I pick someone from the loved one's tribe, then I'm lo- I, there's no possible way that I can get the maximum number of points, which, to be fair, is going to be really hard anyway. But I think that I'm, I'm going to pick someone from the favorites tribe. Sorry, from, yeah, from the returning players tribe. I think I'm going to go with Monica. Monica, wow. You think she's I, gonna I get don't voted think she out? has a chance of being voted out, but I don't think she's going to get many confessionals either. Fair enough. I would have gone with Laura Moore in that case. Ah, that's fair. But Well, there are even... predictions. We'll see. Uh, hopefully we'll do better than last week. <laughs> uh, be better. But we'll see. Otherwise, it's going to be a really low-scoring year, David. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I picked two people from the, the same tribe. It's a risky strategy. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, it's all, this game is about sacrifice. Where are you willing to focus your, your efforts? Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to our, our next segment before we talk to Billy. Uh, this season we are going to be doing lists because we love lists so much. So we are doing a top five. So last week we did our top five premiere episodes of Survivor. This week, Jeff, what is our top five? Our top five is the top five Survivor Potsters. Yes. We mean this, of course, in the colloquial way of saying that they cause drama, and it has nothing to do with actual drugs. Yes. <laughs> yes, these are the people who get their tribe to fight with each other and to bicker with each other, and if they're good at it, no one will even blame or suspect them. So these are the people who can create chaos. The the definition of top five is up for interpretation. Are these the top five people who did it without people noticing, or the top five people who did it the most? That's up for your interpretation. Well, for our interpretation. But yes, so why don't you start us off with number five, Jeff? My number five potster is... Russell Hance. I think he. Uh, I, I think some people will have him. Will be surprised to see him on a list at all, and some people will be surprised to see him as low as he is. But I think Russell Hance obviously got his tribe 
um, I don't know that he got them to fight with each other necessarily, but he definitely, you know, poured out their water, burned the socks. That's all ways of making the tribe uncomfortable comfortable, and making the tribe uneasy and attempting to control the game that way. Um, I would argue he was not very successful at it because he forgot that there was a jury ever apparently, but uh, he definitely did stir the pot. Yeah, uh, just going off on a brief tangent, I'm, I'm re-watching Survivor of the Amazon. It was really interesting because at the end of one of the tribal councils, I think it was when Christy got voted off, Jeff made this nice little statement saying, it's one thing to make it to the final two, it's another thing to make it to the final two and have the votes to win. And that's sort of what he sent him off with. So it's really interesting how Jeff Probst really hasn't said that in recent years. Like that, He hasn't really stressed that too much with this uh, more recent season of Survivor. Right. But I did not include Russell Hans on my list just because of the fact that I thought, while he did stuff like burn socks and everything and lie to his tribe, it didn't really actually make his tribe turn against each other. And and most of it was inconsequential. It was like, oh, where's my sock? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Understandable. Understandable. So while he did create lots of uh, ill feelings and maybe a little chaos, I did not put him in my pot stirs. My number five, however, is a recent pot stirrer stir who I think did a really good job of sensing people who were at, at odds with each other and making them hate each other. And that would be Pete from Survivor Philippines. Number five, the way he, you know, turned Abby Maria and RC against each other who had the, you know, they were at one point, you know, the top two alliance. And to have them turn on each other, I think he did a good job of people not blaming Pete. Both of them still somewhat liked Pete, but uh, obviously couldn't stand each other. So I thought he did a very good job of that. And uh, towards the end of the game, he's or you know, till he got voted off, he he didn't he wasn't as successful at it, which is why I have him at number five and not at the top of my list. My number four posture is if my computer will open the document. Someone who uh, I think people may be surprised to see on the list uh, because, I, I don't know, I, I think, but I think people will be surprised to see this person on the list. And that is Chris Doherty, uh, winner of Survivor Vanuatu. He is uh, my think, number three, Jeff. He is your number three. Well, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I think Chris Doherty was a really, really good potster. I mean, that's like, arguably why he won the game, by making all the women turn against each other and uh, kind of come over to his side. And he did it without, I think, them even realizing that he was doing it, which in my mind is the way to define a successful potster. Yeah. Um, and he did it for, he was so enjoyable in his confessionals and he was so charming uh, out there on the island that he was one of the few people who's been able to break up a dominant uh, opposite gendered alliance. So good on him. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about Chris right here while we're on the topic. First of all, you have the, what, I'm just laying here sort of scene where he sort of, right. <laughs> uh, he, he was definitely instrumental in, in getting, you know, Twilight to talk about these things and everything and, and, and the way he could step back. But even when it was just him and Twyla, the way he stirred the pot and got her to be, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to go against the jury and make him... <laughs> yell at him and everything. I was like, he he definitely deserved his win. Right. My number four is probably another maybe surprising person. Uh, old school player, and that would be Teresa Cooper from Survivor Africa. Huh. I think Teresa was really good at stirring the pot. I recently rewatched Africa, and, and you have the whole thing where she kept quiet about the vote and maybe let it make it appear that it was other people. But every time, every episode, she would try to come up with a way that she could get the people to sort of turn on each other and to get a new group to go with her. Uh, and you saw this especially when she got voted out. She was trying to stir the pot and get Big Tom out and everything. So I think she did a really good job. She looked like, oh, the sweet, nice mom and everything, but she was always looking at ways to stir the pot and change the game up. And I think she was she did pretty good of it, uh, at it until, you know, obviously the alliance wouldn't budge. Right, right. No, I think that's a good pick. It was someone who I didn't really think of um, and maybe doesn't fit the classic definition of pot stir, but definitely, uh, definitely a solid pick. No. 
my number three is someone who I think is gonna I don't know that he was an intentional potster. I think that he stirred the pot unintentionally and didn't realize that he was doing it. But his stirring of said pot uh, made just some of the funniest scenes in Survivor history, as well as some of the most frustrating scenes in Survivor history. I am talking, of course, about the wonderful dreams from Survivor Fiji. Mm. Uh, stirred the pot in a different way by trying to work both sides, but doing it so visibly that both sides used him against the other side, knowing that he would go to them with information. It was... It was just kind of funny to watch him try to stir the pot, but doing it in a way that he thought was so sneaky, but really wasn't. But it it was just crazy. Some would say he's the spoon that is the stirring the pot, rather than the person holding the spoon. (laughs) Yeah, that is is very... That might be a good analogy. Um, But I I really liked Dreams. I think that he... uh, I mean, I liked him as a person on Survivor. I, I wasn't a big fan of his decision, you know, not giving the immunity away or anything. But I think that uh, his impact on that season of Survivor is really incalculable. Without him, that season ends in a totally different way. Absolutely. So, yeah. so uh, that's why he is number three on my list. All right, I already shared my number three, so let me do number two. Number two, I like to consider him the original potster, the very first one that I really see and sense that someone was intentionally trying to stir the pot, and that is one of my fan favorites, Jeff Varner from Survivor, the Australian Outback. Jeff, everyone remembers the iconic fight between Alicia and Kimmy. Jeff orchestrated that whole thing. He's the one who got them fighting and everything, and then he just walked off into the woods and let them fight. And he was he was such a sneaky player and doing these little things to try to get people to turn and create conflict so he could just be there and he could be the sounding board so everyone else could vent and say how horrible they were. And he would spread little rumors about what other people are saying and get them mad at other people. So I think Jeff Varner is the original potster of Survivor. You know, David, I'm almost ashamed that I didn't include him on my list because, as you as you know, I am a, a huge Jeff Varner fan. He's one of my favorite players to ever play the game, uh, one of the most underrated as well. But I never even considered like him as a potster until you until you kind of just gave your little spiel, and I'm almost sad now. <laughs> kick, kick number five off. No more Russell. <laughs> no more Russell. It is now Jeff Varner. <laughs> Who's your my number two? Number two is someone who I struggle with because I'm not sure if they're number two or number one, but I put them as number two because the number one, I think, did pop stirring better. Uh, But my number two is someone who created lies for no reason at all or maybe had a reason but had unintended impacts. Uh, And that is, of course, the one and only Johnny Fairplay, who enjoyed just voting for random people and telling people that his grandmother had died and trying to make last-minute deals with people that were unsuccessful, and just really making sure that the game, that he was in control of the chaos in the game uh, via Burton. And the important thing to remember with Johnny Fairplay is that you have to add kind of a slash and do Johnny Fairplay slash Sandra, because she was also a pot stirrer that season. And even though they didn't work together, I think that they worked off of each other in that when Johnny Fairplay pot stirred, it made Sandra want to stir the pot, which made Johnny Fairplay want to stir the pot. And it just, they, I think they worked together even though they weren't working together, if, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Um, so I would probably say my number two is Johnny Fairplay slash Sandra. Very interesting. I did not have Johnny Fairplay on my list just because I think he's really good at lying and manipulating and getting people to trust him somehow and, and stab them in the back. But I didn't see a lot of him, you know, trying to get people to, to you know be mad at each other, which is my, my personal pot stir. He, he wasn't, he was more of the strategic, uh, you know, duplicitous mastermind, less of a pot stir. And my number one is the other person you just mentioned, Sandra Diaz-Twine. I think she is the ultimate pot stir. I, you can see example upon example of times where she would just start little things, start fights where people would get mad at each other, people would be in conflict, and maybe she started it, but she she was not in to blame at all. I mean, most famous ones, A, the dumping out of Rupert's fish, and then all of a sudden, everyone's yelling at Krista 
And, and they're so mad at her. And Sandra's just sitting there not doing anything. You have Heroes versus Villains, where she goes up to Russell and says, Coach is talking smack about him, and then he votes Coach off instead of her or Courtney. I mean, you have countless examples of times where Sandra really just played people off each other. She's able to recognize who, what she needs to say to the right people so that they can create this conflict. And uh, I think it's part of the reasons why she's won twice, is that she's able to stir the pot without anyone realizing that she's doing it. Right. My uh, my winner, my first place potster, is someone who I think is much like Sandra and could have won twice if CBS were to give them the chance to come back because um, they did win their first season. Uh, and it's someone who's very underrated and I think underappreciated for their ability to stir the pot. I'm talking about Vesepia Tori, who, and a lot of people don't know this, but was very, very good at starting fights and then watching people finish them just for the sake of doing it for the game. Um, if you watch Marquesas, you know, look for Vesepia doing this because she's very, very good uh, at you know causing fights between people and making sure that she is in no way implicated, but that those two people are absolutely against each other. And especially important in a season where the entire, you know, narrative of the season is based around two people flipping for the first time ever. Uh, that makes Vesepia's strategy of particular importance and is probably the reason why she won. So uh, I picked Vesepia because I think she is the best popster and the most successful, not only because she won, but because I don't think people even who watched the show realize that she did it. Interesting. Yeah. You and I had very different, uh, I don't know, outlooks in it. I mean, Vesepi is along the same same line as, as these ones, but I thought she did, if she did a lot of that, it wasn't as overt to me as these other people who we saw starting them but then walking away. So it, she was definitely in consideration for my list but didn't quite make it. Fair, fair. But there are uh, there are top five potsters. Put them together, you'd have a pretty good list of some uh, pretty good potsters there. Yeah. I agree. You know, go to our Facebook page, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. Write, write us a, a comment of who you think uh, one of the top potsters of Survivor is. Maybe you think Colton is one of them for what he did in One World. Or maybe you agree with us that it's one of them, uh, one of the people that we or mentioned. maybe you think it's Michael Scoop and Scrabbleboard pieces. <laughs> maybe that is Those the best potsters. Those pots all season long. There you go. So let us know uh, whether you want to make a snarky comment like Jeff or just a, a straight-up answer. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, <laughs> go on our Facebook page and let us know. But, uh, Jeff, are you ready to talk to Billy? David, I'm always ready to talk to Billy Garcia. I am super ready as well. So without further ado, here we go. Let's talk to Billy. All right, we now have the one and only Billy Garcia on the podcast with us. How are you doing, Billy? I am doing great, with the exception of my Yankees missing the playoffs. But otherwise, I'm I'm peachy king. Uh, good, good to hear. It's been a while since uh, I've I've chatted with you. It's probably about three, four seasons now. So it's good to have you back. And uh, really interesting season of Survivor we have here. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's been Twist City this season. Um, they've been hit with so much stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think they're throwing the kick at them next. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, I, I I think someone, maybe Dalton Ross mentioned this, but the, the this episode, the previously on Survivor, was like the longest and most convoluted previously on Survivor we ever had, because they had to try to explain all these twists to anyone who missed last the last week's premiere. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, it's like, it's like taking calculus in college now, <laughs> just, to, just to try to get through an episode. <laughs> Like, this twist does this, but then it also uh, made this happen, and then it added this twist to it, plus to throw Redemption Island in there and add a couple more twists added to that, and, and now you have a season. <laughs> the funniest part was all the twists negated one another, so we're going to vote someone out. Wait, you're not actually out. You're at Redemption Island. But maybe it's not you at Redemption Island. could be your loved one at Redemption Island. They just all negated each other, and it was just really, really convoluted, but awesome. Uh, what, I, what, what I think is going on is, like, every... Pro- ever had an idea got shot down this is their season (laughs) (laughs) 
What what which of these twists um do you enjoy and which ones are you maybe not excited that they're they're adding in here? I think the uh, the twist that I'm enjoying is the uh, the main twist, which is the blood versus water, the having to to compete against your family member. Of the plethora of twists that exist that I don't enjoy, um, I would have to say it's another biggie. I think it's uh, Redemption Island. I think what Redemption Island does is uh, it takes away from what's probably the most iconic uh, moment in reality TV. Either history, which is getting your torch snuffed out. Yeah, now that means nothing. Instead, you get to burn your souvenir buff. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, some just like pull a prank and like, if there's ever any kerosene from the torches, like just dip it in it and then throw it in the <laughs> <laughs> and then it burns. Boom! Like, just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> All right, let's get to the the biggest question that everyone uh, wants to know from you, Billy. Do you dislike John for stealing your woman from you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, actually, I love the fact that Rupert looked like a man because he manned up, and and John looked like a total wuss because he like <laughs> sent his he sent his woman to war while he went and hang, hung out at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> And then he regretted it when he went to tribal council. He was like, oh, man, I look like such a pussy. Oh, God. He's like, you can take it, honey. You're yeah, strong. Right? You could win yeah. any challenge. His thing was like, the first thing he said to her, are you sure you want to go? Like, what does that mean? That means, yeah, you better go because I'm sick of shit. So <laughs> yeah, even though Rupert went out first, uh, he looked like a man. He's still, he's still a hero. It's it's very interesting because Rupert, like you said, like he didn't get voted out. He never even went back to a camp or to tribal council. So even though he's like the first one out, it's like he didn't really even get voted out. You know, he just all he did was love his wife and and take her take her place. Yeah, it's like if the game would have started where they would have said, okay, there's twenty of you, but only eighteen are gonna make it in. Uh, who wants to let their loved one go and volunteer out? That's pretty much what Rupert did. Yeah, I, I don't fault him for that. What what else is he going to do? You know, Either that or he comes off as a huge <laughs> jerk and doesn't let his wife experience the game for the first time, so he gets a fourth time to play. Exactly, exactly. And, and I'm sure there's fans saying, oh, you know, with, uh, with John Cody, he'd never played before, and his wife is on her third try. Of course, he, you know, he'd stay... It's a little different when it's when it you're the dude and that's your wife. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was it was his first time, he should have manned up. So why do you think Candace was voted first out uh, of her her tribe? I think it's a plethora of reasons. I don't think it's just one. Yeah. I think she's she's infamous for the uh, for the mutiny. So anybody who's most likely on that tribe to jump over to the to the loved one's tribe and help the loved one, it would be Candace. I think that's part of it. I think uh, the other part is, you know, how, how, how they act at the Ponderosa and all that stuff. I think that played a role. I think they might have been a little too lovey at the Ponderosa prior to the game. Yeah, and they didn't even have that much time to, to be in the Ponderosa because they were like last-minute substitutions for R.C. and her dad. So. Yep, yep. So that also could have been to where, uh, you know, people didn't get a, get a good feel for them as well. Uh, you know what, though? What I like um, about the whole Candace dynamic thing is that uh, most people never got to see, like, Candace as a challenge player. Like, what, what could she do in challenges? She's always surrounded by guys like Ozzy and Poverty Shallow and, and, and people who are just testers. Mm-hmm. Now that she's kind of out on Redemption Island, we can finally see, like, what, uh, what she brings to the table as far as challenges. I think some people are going to be surprised. Yeah, she's she's definitely not like a, a weak link, but yeah, she has been largely overshadowed. I mean, you look at her two tribes, you have, you know, Cook Islands, I mean, you have Ozzy, a challenge dominator, and other people who are, are really strong at challenges, and then, then you have the Heroes tribe, which was full of strong alpha males, 
that sort yeah. of maybe took precedence in the challenges. Yeah, and even you know, if you look at if you look at both times she's played, you can kind of say her, her all three. Well, not even both. All three of her times that she's playing, it's kind of been like all star seasons. Because even though Cook Islands we were all rookies, I mean, you had Ozzy, Penner, Poverty. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people that come back are often. Yeah. So yeah, and you won't beat us all, so you can't even count him. He's not back yet, but you know he will be one day. I hope so. When they have a winter season, he'll be back. Yeah. So speaking of the uh, Redemption Island twist, were you surprised, David and I talked about this last week, were you surprised that Jervis Peterson chose not to switch with his niece? No, I'm not surprised because <laughs> uh, you have to know Jervis as, you know, personally like I do. Uh, Jervis is ultra mega competitive to a fault. And we're seeing that this season, the fault part of it. And so long as he's, he stays out of the water, he's going to be an acid. It's when he gets in the water that, you know, he, it's like kryptonite to him, right? He just gets weak and he can't do anything. And he's like, what's this What's this liquid thing? I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, Billy, if you were on this season, who would you want to play the game with? What loved one would you want to do Survivor with? Uh, it would either be my, sis- my cousin Cisco. Uh, even though we're cousins, uh, we, we kind of consider our siblings. We're brothers. So uh, it would be one of those two. And it would really fall on what CBS was looking for, whether they needed me to be, you know, needed the loved one to be a woman or a guy as to which one to get picked. Yeah. Now, if your loved one is in Redemption Island, do you switch with them? Yes. Okay. You do. Yeah, I would switch with them. I had I had my shot, and even though I didn't have a long shot, I had it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, they they would you know this would be their first time, so I'd let them have the experience. But uh, at the same time, I just like uh, what was said earlier, I don't have to win. I just have to not lose. Yeah. And uh, I stick around, and then I only have to win that last one. And once that last one happens, then you know you go you know eight bonkers and try to win. Yeah. But uh, until then, it's just a matter of, of just playing not to lose. Do you think that the type of Redemption Island challenges that they have, you know, the small scale, usually puzzle or dexterity based, would be your forte? Or would you be better at the uh, other more big scale challenges? Uh, actually, uh, what we guys didn't get to see with Cook Islands because of the way it was edited. And, the, and uh, that first episode was just an hour instead of the usual supersized episode. Uh, was uh, at that first challenge, the, the, we, there was two sets of puzzles. One was this puzzle boat, which is what we rode, you know, to paddle around in to, to, to retrieve the fire. And then later on, it was uh, these little puzzles that ended up making the uh, the, four, the four points of a compass. Right. And, and I put together the puzzle boat. Uh, JP tried it for a good 15 minutes. And, it was, and when uh, Jeff was saying I2 is falling out of it, then I took over and I got it done in like two minutes. And, uh, and then when it came to the... Uh, the uh, the, the, the puzzle, the four points of the of the compass, it was Ozzy and, and Cecilia, and Ozzy was just hands-off. He was like, this is this, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy, I shouldn't have been put on this. And uh, Cecilia was like, I can't help. And so then I stepped up, and I was the one calling the shots with that, and I put it together. And even though we lost first place because of, because of the waste of time, when Cecilia and Ozzy gave it a shot, we still took second, which was still immunity. So it clearly puzzles my forte. So, in a, in a small-scale challenge, there's going to be a lot of puzzle doing and all that. Absolutely, that would fall to my, uh, my advantage. I think, I think where I would fall short is, like, endurance tests. Like, if they were to put us up on, a, on, on, on some laws and say, just stand there for as long as you can, I think that's where I would lose. What do you, what do you think of all these extra layers that the game brings in strategy as far as because you have loved ones? We've seen two people get voted out, and both of them were sort of because of either the other tribe and what they perceived of the other tribe or something that they did. I mean, you had you had Jervis being loud and obnoxious after the challenge, so in some way that caused maybe at least gave them a reason to vote Marissa out. And then you also had them voting Rachel out because they thought Tyson would switch with her. What do you think of these you know, new strategies that now occur because of this loved one's twist? I think it levels the playing field. I think uh, it, it forces the uh, the favorites tribe to not play it so straight ahead like they would if it was just another game of Survivor. Um, it forces them to have to come up with some new strategies that they never had to, that they never used in the past. So uh, even though the playing field may not be so level on, on the challenge front, 
so far anyways. I think as far as the the uh, the voting strategy, I think it's a level playing field because of all these twists. And uh, we're seeing it with the uh, with the uh, the family tribe, the the loved one tribe. They they're forced to to have to strategize and have to come up with some stuff that we haven't seen before, which is to account for what's going on on the other tribe. I mean, in, in my season, the first the first two votes was the only two votes, the only two that we had to worry about what's going on in the other tribe because we were divided up by race and there was four tribes and that just complicated numbers. But after they, they got uh, scrambled up and it was just two tribes, it was just regular survivor. So I think uh, that was probably the only season, maybe maybe the season before when they had one round of four tribes. Those were probably the only seasons where you had to account for what's happening on the other tribe and use and apply that to your vote. You mentioned a little bit the Tadhana tribe, the Loved Ones tribe, keeps losing the challenges. Do you think it's because the other tribe is returning players and they just have the, that more experience in the challenges? Or do you attribute more as luck or just, you know, something happened? I think the, the challenges that we've seen so far have elements of previous challenges. Like the last one, tied together like they were in my season, and they had to uh, uh, untie knots like the same, like the throne challenge from my season. So it had two elements of my of that second challenge from my season. So someone like a Candace, she's been there before. Mm-hmm. She, she's done that challenge before, basically, without the wheelbarrow. So that's that's the sort of thing that I'm looking at and saying, all right, these aren't like all brand new elements of challenges. This isn't something that the returning players have never seen before. They just they maybe never seen it all in the same challenge, yeah. but the elements of it they've seen in different challenges before. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So far, it's experience. Well, yeah. and the barrel challenge was another challenge from Cook Islands. It was the it, challenge right after the mutiny. Exactly. exactly. And Candice was in the barrel. I remember that. Great, great, great point. So yeah, these are stuff that you know they they, they have experience for. Uh, the, what the what the uh, the loved ones tribe has to kind of make up for is they have to have the better camp so that they have more energy and they have to be have better morale and. Let's be honest, they got to not be nice. They, I think they're being too nice to the loved ones. Yeah. Uh, I think what Brad was trying to you know, do, challenge is fire his team up and kind of get to the point that we can't be so nice. Uh, if only Candace was in the actual game still, and she'd be really good at these challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point, good point, my bad. <laughs> good point. But, uh, yeah, with, uh, with Candace... Uh, the way I see it, if she wins it all, she owes me 10% because I made her famous. Then I never brought her back. It's not for me. There you go. There you go. Now, is that 10% before or after taxes? Before. Okay, just make it 10% sh- gross. <laughs> Get your 100000 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's second place money on Survivor. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the strategic elements that we saw this week with the Loved Ones tribe was the idea that John was worried, you know, Tyson might come back. Do you think it would have been smart for John to risk his pl- his place on his own tribe in order to save Rachel? No. <laughs> I know. He, uh, I understand why he's trying to do it because he doesn't really care about Rachel. He cares about Candace. And right. uh, he's, just, he's just trying not to put her up against the what everybody perceives as the toughest guy in challenges on either side. Mm-hmm. So I understand, but, uh, yeah, he's being a little too obvious. Uh, everybody's on to him. And then you take into account that he's got the clue to the hidden immunity idol, and they feel that's a threat all in it by itself. It's just he's in a tough position now. He's, he's got his back against the wall. I, I was going to say, I think he could have approached it differently and said, I know for a fact that Candace will be with us come the merge, so we need to make sure that she is the one who comes back from Redemption Island, and that way it's in the group's interest to send someone like Sierra or Katie to Redemption Island. I, I agree. I think what he should have done was brought up the mutiny in, in Cook Islands and and say that he show, illustrate that she's willing to risk coming jump sides to take the, the, the pair up with a loved one to come to, you know, that that's enough motivation for her to betray her tribe. And, yeah, John wasn't thinking that way. Uh, I, I, you know, I understand what his mind is, especially since he feels like an ass for, for not taking her place. And now he's trying to make things up there, you know, try to make things easier for her. But, uh, yeah, he's... I just don't see how he's going to recover from this unless they, they scramble the tribes up. If they scramble the tribes up and it becomes mixed tribes, then, it's, you know, it's a whole new ball game. Who the hell knows what, what to expect at that point? Yeah, do you think John made a mistake not sharing the clue with his 
his tribe, or at least his alliance? Uh, did he make a mistake by keeping it secret? Yeah, because, uh, you, you know what, is, if I was in an alliance with him, I would totally think, like, okay, so he's trying to find this not just for himself, but for his wife. And instead of, you know, he's not playing the team game, he's playing the couple's game. Yeah. And if he'd have shared with us, then it would have been us five to the end. That's the way I'd have looked at it. Yeah, and I, I think, think he made a major faux pas there. I think he uh, had a target on his back just by receiving the clue from Candace, and the only way to alleviate that target was to share it with other people. I think he's just making his target bigger and bigger. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If, if, if it were me, you know, Candace is, Candace is at Redemption Island. She has to win many, many challenges to get back in the game. Even though she has it in her to do it, the odds are not good. The odds are not good for anybody that goes. So I would, I would be playing... My, my, my alliance, and then if Candace makes it back, then you know then I'll do what I have to do when we get to that point. But I would be playing the the, the five man alliance because now if I was in that alliance, I would look at John and say, "All right, we got enough advantage over the women; we could afford to lose one of the guys." Yeah, I mean, I think if your loved one is in Redemption Island, you almost have to play assuming that they're already out because exactly. the the unless it's like the one right before they come back. But, I mean, the odds are, you know, especially this early in the game, that your loved one isn't going to make it all the way, you know? Yeah, the odds are definitely not good. That's that's the whole thing is with Redemption Island. Is the, the twist is you're beating the odds to get back in. So do you think that if Candace wins next week that she, I mean, she's already given a clue to her husband. Let's say she assumes he finds it, the hidden immunity idol. Do you think she would still give the clue to him, or do you think that she would try to use it in a strategic manner to give it to someone who could help her in the game? It depends on whether she had an alliance on her own or old tribe. If she had an alliance on her old tribe, then she can give her alliance, and she'll have, in theory, she'll have two hidden immunity idols that could help her. In theory. Yeah. But, right. but if she had no alliance, then who else is she going to give it to except for her husband? To try, right. And they try to claim that you're trying to keep all the clues in one, in one set of hands. Yeah, she, in there, a deleted scene on CBS.com, she was talking about this, and she was like, yeah, it could paint a target on his back, but it's better than giving that power to someone else. Because at this point, I don't think she really cares for anyone else. Then that just goes to show, like, when we saw that, the, uh, the way that the, uh, the favorites tribe are playing is that uh, they're basically going super old school, and they're saying no alliances until we lose. Mm-hmm. And it's driving Colton up the wall, but that seems to be the style that's, that's going on over there. And if it is, and that means Candace had nobody. And, yep. and remember, she didn't have a chance with it to bond, as mentioned earlier. She arrived late because she was a late replacement. Yeah, and just those those few days before just of eye contact can be very key into to doing things. Oh, absolutely. You can say as much with just as you can with words. Um but uh, I think with uh, with Candace, uh, if you look at the favorite tribe, how many of those people played with before? I think the one guy she played with before didn't just get didn't he just get eliminated? He was <laughs> villain. Yeah, I mean you had Tyson, but they were on opposite tribes. They never interacted. Right. So exactly, exactly, yeah. So she's really got no connection with anybody. And and her and Rupert aren't on the best of terms. Well, he's gone anyway. So when you know. When she, when she went to redemption with Rupert, that pretty much killed it. Yeah. It was guaranteed, like, it made no sense to team, team up with him because one of them will be gone. Yeah. I think, though, that Redemption Island provides an interesting strategy this season because normally on a pre-merge Redemption Island, there's no stra- strategizing to be done, right? Because if you go back in the game, then strategizing with the person on Redemption Island isn't going to help you because they'll be gone. But if you lose, then strategizing with the person doesn't help you because you're gone. But you can strategize for your loved one this season. You can tell, you know, Candace and Marissa can strategize about it. If Candace goes back in, she helps Jervis. If Marissa goes back in, she helps John, that type of thing. So it provides another interesting layer. Uh, that Marissa isn't, isn't spiteful. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Yeah, so, uh, and then there's also a... Uh, um, an element of trust, like how much information of your loved ones A do you have, and B would you give give out? Because that's your loved one's game. So yeah, yeah it's it's, it's kind of tricky. It's 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 navigating, you know, a, a, you know, some landmines there, <laughs> so to speak. So uh, uh, you know, if it were me, I wouldn't tell. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to mess up my my loved one's game. I, I wouldn't tell them anything. Uh, I would just. Um, 
I would more focus on trying to weaken the other players so that I have a better shot at, at the uh, at the uh, the challenge when it comes up at the duel. But uh, yeah, like like uh, I like that uh, Rupert was thinking in that way. But uh, he took my old approach, and that's trying to be intentionally lazy. It didn't work for him either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said in one of his interviews today that uh, he would have to he'd wait until. Candace was like asleep or something, and then he would go out and catch some lobster or clams or something, and then boil and eat it before she realized. It. <laughs> good wow. for him. Good for him. Good for him. It didn't work for him though. No, it, did, it didn't work. But you know what? What it is with that that strategy, it doesn't work over a short term amount of time. Because you know, uh, going hungry for a few days, as long as you have water, you'll be fine. It's going hungry for over a week where it does the trick. Yeah. So anything less than seven days, seven to eight days, that strategy won't work. You you mentioned Colton a little bit ago. What what are your thoughts on him and how he's playing uh, this game? He's a he's a total lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing like an ass. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry, that dude. All right, I understand that he's new school survivor. The new school survivor, you make an alliance on day one. Agree, agree. But he's got so many old school players. Like on that favor tribe with Aris and Tina and, and Jervis and many old school players that you have to adapt to that style. Yeah, the thing I would say about Colton is while he may be good at strategy and manipulating, what he isn't doing right now is he's not being very perceptive. He needs to be aware of what the other people are doing and how they're reacting and realizing that your, your old approach isn't going to work on these people. Uh, I, I 100% agree. I think um, for for every point he wins with his strategic game, he loses with his social game. Yep. <laughs> so he he's his own worst enemy. He, he's got a lot of the right ideas. He's going about it the wrong way, which makes the right ideas useless. Worthless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Colton. Uh, and then Colton is a time bomb, you know? He's... He's, he's always on the verge of, 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 of blowing up over over the, the pettiest things. Uh, I, as, as a strategic player, I wish I just wish he had a better social game. I, I totally agree. His whole thing is trying to, you know, manipulate and, and sort of almost bully people, which, yeah, against weaker players, it may work. But this season, he's not, he's with All-Stars. And not only that, he's with people who've won the game. So obviously, these are pretty perceptive and bright people. So I don't think they're going to be as easily controllable and manipulative as, as Colton's first tribe. Well, not only that, but you have to adapt to the personalities that are there. That's one of the things that if I had to do over again, I would do different. Is that I would, I would you know, learn the personalities first before even making a move. I think with, 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 with Colton, he's... He, he's, he's sort of too quick to try to, to get you know get involved without figuring out how, how people are going to react to to what he has in mind. So uh, I think he put the carriage ahead of the horse here. What do you think of the all male alliance on on the loved ones tribe? I think if you're a dude, it's awesome. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, you know, I, I totally see what they were going, why, why they went with it, Brad and. and, and some you know some of these guys are, are very are very used to being surrounded by a lot of guys and working together with guys. Like let's be honest, Brad, a football player, when it, when he went to work, it was all dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what he's accustomed to. So uh, it, it makes sense to me. And, and then even when you look at Aris's brother, like he went to jail, that's all dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't go to a women's prison. Okay. Yeah. You know, not. <laughs> So, so it just makes sense for some of these guys, and you know, it's just it's just tough luck for the women. Um, what I like is what what uh, Sierra's doing is she's just trying to bob and weave until something gets switched up. And if she's smart, she'll throw she'll throw John under the bus and save herself, and that that'll that'll change things. Yeah, what do you think the the pecking order of this five is? Who who's in the top tier of this five guy alliance, and who's on the out? Well, John is clearly on the outs. So yeah, that's that's no question. <laughs> Uh, I can never pronounce Aris's brother's name. I have to learn it. Vetus. Vetus. Okay. Vetus. I got to think of fetus and then Vetus. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I think Vetus is at the top along with Hayden. But Hayden's at the top in a different way. Hayden is not at the top in that he's dictating and being very vocal like Vetus is. He's at the top in that he's got he's basically pulling Vetus' strings without Vetus even knowing it. Yeah. He's got Vetus doing all the talking while what's happening is, is, is 
of keeping people from remembering that he, that Hayden won. He's a winner. They were not seen with a winner. He should be the biggest threat on the tribe. <laughs> and he's playing the exact same game that he played last time. He's the quiet member of a majority alliance. He's good. He'll be fine for a long time. And pe- no one recognizes it, which is what surprises me. Yeah, I think I think he's in trouble once the merge happens and the favorites have a numbers advantage. I think that's the only the only thing he has to worry about if that if that's the way it goes down. But in his current environment, he's 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 at the top along with Vetus. I think uh, John is at the bottom, and I think uh, Brad is gonna start wearing thin and start working his way towards the bottom. Yeah, I, the only way I think Brad could stay longer than Caleb is if they're near the end and they make may make Brad like the the Philip as someone who's rubbed everyone the wrong way and probably wouldn't get any votes in the the finale. Uh, exactly, exactly. I think the uh, the dark horse or the X factor in all this is uh Colton's boyfriend because I think his game is going to be affected by what Colton does. Absolutely, like, it's going to be hard for him to just stand there and watch. Colton deteriorate and, you know, and lose it and go crazy and go revert back to old Colton where everybody hates him and can't wait to get rid of him. And in interviews, or, you know, confessionals, Colton has said he 100% expects that Caleb switch places with him if he's ever on Redemption Island. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would, I'm sure he does believe that, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> if, if Colton wants to actually win any money, I think he better not switch, you know? <laughs> I think that Colton and Caleb know that Caleb is the one who's going to win, or at least they should, uh, which surprised me that Colton came in and was so gun bla- guns blazing. If I were Colton, I would have been just totally uh, quiet and down to earth and knowing that Caleb was the one who actually had a chance of winning because that's then I get you know some of the money but I don't know why Colton's taking the strategy because he's really making his fiance look bad too well apparently he tried for like two three days and then it just all <laughs> he couldn't right. he couldn't contain it anymore <laughs> yeah yeah I, I agree with you Jeff he should have flown under the radar that should have been his, his strategy Tina Weston's old strategy should have been his new strategy and just understand, Colton Cumbie's not going to win Survivor 27, but someone very close to him had a chance, and I think he may have blown that chance among the favorites. Well, just judging by the preview where he runs over to the other side and sits on on his uh, fiance's lap, uh, I think I think that's a game killer right there. <laughs> that's a game killer. Yeah. I think he just killed he killed his boyfriend's game with that move. We'll see, because uh, all we did was get a preview. But uh, let's be honest, if the three of us were on a tribe together and uh, we saw, like, some chick go running towards, towards you know, my, my whatever girlfriend come running and, and sit on my lap, you would think to yourself, okay, there's no splitting them up now. Like, <laughs> he gave away, like, he just gave away that, like, at some point he's going to stick with his girl and, you know, the heck with you two, right? So it'd be like, it would be death, it, a death nail to my game. Well, and if if you take the previews, he may even be leaving the game on his own accord and saying he quits. So, which I think would be absolutely stupid because his whole thing is he wants to be with Caleb. If he quits, what's Caleb gonna quit with him? There you go, game killer. Game yeah. killer. If he, if, you know, if he's a loved one that would switch places, then he would also leave with. It would be a double quit. What he, I think he's trying to. If he does quit, yeah. And, uh, that's terrible. You basically take it away from, from somebody you love. Terrible. Yeah, if that happens, I think uh, two people on Redemption Island go back in the game immediately. That's what I'd do. I was like, okay, these people don't even want to play. All right, you guys get back in. Yeah, I don't even know what they would do. Jeff is very creative. He, he likes to come up with stuff on the spot. I, I don't know what he would do. Uh, I know what he'd want to do, which is punch Colton in the face. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they just blew a bunch of money and a roster spot on the guy. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, it, it be, you know, a lot of the quitters don't know, but they actually hurt the ratings when they quit. Like, you get a lot really? of people, yeah, like, when something cool happens and something like, like Ozzy winning a, a crap load of challenges happens, or even a great blindside, you know, word of mouth does a lot to get people to tune in. And then just the same thing happens when someone quits, when someone basically ruins the season and wastes. And, and, and waste, you know, a roster spot and it makes to where an alliance that was in control now is no longer in control. People like tune out and say, you know, I tuned in to see a, a, a competition and what I got was pro wrestling. 
<laughs> so yeah, it does it does drag on the ratings. So that's that's so that's if, if quitting was great for the ratings, they would be casting a lot of quitters. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they do the exact opposite, where they even changed the rules after Nayaka and, and Purple Kelly uh, pulled the moves that they did, just because mm-hmm. it, it's such a drag on the ratings and it's it is a waste of money. It blow money that it could went towards someone else that would have helped the season. Yeah. Any other thoughts you had about uh, the last episode of the season so far, Billy? Wow, there's so much that goes on in these things. It's like I have to watch the season like the, the episode like two or three times just to. Just to digest everything because all the <laughs> twists. I, you know, the thing that sticks out for me the most is that Rupert went out on his sword for his wife. Yes, that's what he did for his uh, for, for his wife. So uh, I, I, he, I, he gets super kudos to me from me. The other thing that sticks out from the episode is just how much the, the, the Favors tribe has like two or three personalities that are just sticking out like crazy. And you got a lot of people that are getting lost in the mix. Yeah. Which is making me wonder if those people that are sticking out like crazy, if they're going to end up going pre-merged. Because every soul, every, you know, you know, it happens in a lot of seasons. Every once in a while, where, like, you get the Sophie Clarks that you don't really know that they're even there or remember that they're there until post-merge. Well, just look at and Brenda last season. <laughs> she was invisible until, you know, a couple episodes before she got voted out. Exactly, exactly. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's what's going to play out with the favorites where you're going to get a lot of the, you know, once they start going to tribal council, there's going to be a big run on the winners, because they're showing the winners, the past winners, a lot, Tina and Tina and Aris. And they're really showing a lot about, I think, why Tina and Aris have won, because Tina and Aris are kind of the main arbiters of the let's not do anything until it's necessary club. Right, right, I totally agree, I totally agree, but I also wonder if, uh, while they're doing this, if, you know, some of the people are kind of lying in the weeds, like, like you know, a lion's, you know, uh, stalking his prey, and then as soon as they go to tribal, it's like, pull, 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 General uh, Lewis. They had their turn, they won. They go first. Be interesting, definitely. See if people are, are thinking that way, or if they're, you know, I, I sometimes think it's so far back, you know, they may even be a, a, oblivious to the fact that they won or how good they actually are. Well, I, I think I think uh, the one person who wouldn't be oblivious, Jervis, I think he's in with the old school, the old schoolers, and he just feels like, Without having to say it, it's probably an old school alliance. Oh, absolutely. Well, and you saw There's this an old episode. Old school alliance plus Monica. That's <laughs> what I love. Monica. Yeah. <laughs> I just randomly throw Monica in there. Well, Tyson's a little new school too. But that's that's true. I didn't think about that. Tyson's just so chill, like with the other people that he's. I think Tyson's one of those people that's very. He's able to adapt very easily, and he can sense sense the group, and he's willing to go with it. Tyson, what what happened? I think with Tyson is that. So the uh, the last time he played in Heroes vs. Villain, he came in so overconfident that it's humbled him this time, and it's a good thing. Uh, I, he's one of my favorites to win it all, to be honest. Uh, I, I think he's well-liked by everyone. I mean, when you're watching the show, I think you're like, oh, Tyson, we better watch out for him. But I think once you actually, it seems to me, once people actually you know talk with him, everyone likes him, everyone enjoys him, and he's really good to be around. He, he definitely has a very charming personality. I've met him uh, several times, obviously, through my Survivor fraternity travels. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's definitely a charmer. He's, 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 not, he's not abrasive, cocky, like uh, some past players. Like uh, the obvious is are the Hanses, that they tend to be very abrasive in their personalities. And, and even though he's, he's a big personality, he's, he's not someone that flies into the radar, he's very likable. I say, I say, I say that makes him a favorite win. Just challenge monster and likable. Wow, <laughs> what, what does he bring? Well, uh, Billy, we thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts with us. Before we let you go, though, uh, we want to play a game with you if you're up for it. I'm so up for it. Let's play. All right, this game is called Say Anything, and it's pretty much uh, exactly what it says. I'll ask you a question. Feel free to say anything to respond to it. All right. All right, question one. What's the worst thing to say to a cop after getting pulled over? Oh, crap, I left my license at home. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not a good thing. (laughs) By the way, my registration's there, too. (laughs) Maybe the next worst thing would be to say, are guns legal in the state? (laughs) (laughs) My ID's on the body in the trunk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be pretty bad, too. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, which former survivor would be the least inspiring motivational speaker? Brandon Hatt. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think that's self-explanatory. I don't have to go into depth for that one. <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. Dumping out the rice was a surrogate for him dumping out his emotions onto the camp. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and if you want to be the author of your own destiny <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of it Author of your own destiny <laughs> Brandon Hans Alright, next one What would be the most fun thing to throw off a tall building? Oh, wow I'm going to just go ahead and say J.P. Calderon <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had to think twice. Do I want to go there? But I went there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You just wrote a book. What would you name it? What would be the title of your book if you wrote one? <laughs> Live your dreams for at least six days. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's pretty great. Thank you. <laughs> I would totally buy that book. Uh, <laughs> what would be the worst song for a wedding first dance? Worst song for a wedding first dance? Something that people would know, too. Because <laughs> I can think of several. Well, you know what? I'll just go ahead and say Motley Crue shout at the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's telling you where the marriage is going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> What former survivor would be the most comical as the star of a musical? Star of a musical? You gotta go with Philip, Philip Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> I even got the, the name of the musical for you. It's called the Bushudu Code. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the Bushido Code, the Bushudu Code. That's what he called it. <laughs> Stealth MI. <laughs> Stealth MI, there you go. <laughs> it's a one man show. Yeah. <laughs> If Gandhi was invisible for the day, what would he do? Wow. If Gandhi was invisible, he'd probably eat more than he had to <laughs> <laughs> Burger King or McDonald's. <laughs> KFC. Nobody will see him. He's invisible. <laughs> uh, what would be the weirdest fortune to find in a fortune cookie? You're going to die tonight. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> You wouldn't get any sleep that night. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, you would eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually. If the fortune is right. <laughs> yeah, with some fishes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, which former survivor would you be least surprised to find out is an alien? Wow, uh, least surprised that is an alien. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be season centric here. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with cowboy. Because <laughs> uh, cause, uh, you know cowboy is always in a world of his own. <laughs> and even though he speaks English, it always sounds like a language. <laughs> so... <laughs> there, there you go. And our last one: What does an ostrich think about when its head is in the sand? Uh, what does an ostrich think about when his head is in the sand? You know, probably are people staring at my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good one. Question I ask myself every day. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for playing this game with us, Billy. This was a lot of fun. Uh, some uh, phenomenal answers. Um, uh, before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, yeah, you can follow my Twitter at RealBillyGarcia. And uh, my band, Forsaken, is uh, if you're in the New York area, we're playing November 20th at Sullivan Hall, which is in Greenwich Village on West 3rd Street. So anyone in the area, be sure to, to check it out. Uh, Billy, thank you so much. I always have a blast talking with you. <laughs> you definitely make me laugh more than almost any other survivor. So, uh Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it, and we uh, hope to talk to you again in the future. Uh, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Billy. Thanks, Billy. Uh, you're welcome, guys. Bye. Have a good night. Bye.
So there you have it. Oh, I love talking to Billy Garcia. Uh, he's so funny. I really wish he would have lasted a little bit longer on Cook Islands. Everyone says the big thing Cook Islands was lacking was humor, and that's because people like Billy and Cowboy got out so early. So. <laughs> yeah, I think Billy is a shoe in for any future like second chance season or something like that. I think you got Billy as the number one on that list because he's just so funny. And he definitely has a strong cult following. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's great to talk to him. It's interesting to hear his thoughts uh, uh, and everything. And he, he didn't seem too too mad at John. Just didn't think he was making very big game moves. So I'm I'm glad he harbors no resentment for exactly. them having the same love of their life. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a good sport. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> something he will probably never live down. But. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We should, uh, we'll be having another special guest next week. We're uh, lining it up right now, and stay tuned for that. But uh, we thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about uh, Survivor Blood vs. Water Episode 3. Uh, and be sure to, to chat with us, talk with us uh, about anything and everything Survivor-related. You can do this on our Facebook page, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast, or on our website, leave us a comment at survivorpodcast.blogspot.com. And if you want episodes to upload to your computer every week, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes at David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. That you can, Jeff. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>